Hey, good morning, everybody. Okay, I've announced it to make I'm the official new pastor, in case you didn't know that. Just kidding. All right. You got a little worried, didn't you? All right, all right. Hey, my name is Bobby uh, Delancelotti, and I live in Cayucas, California. And uh, I was, a, I, I spoke in life, at LifeWater. I've spoken at Highlands several times. I think it's my third or fourth time in Highlands. And I love this church, feel kind of a part of it, kind of connected at the hip with it. You guys have been great supporters and advocates for us at LifeWater. So thank you so much for all that you've done and who you are and how you guys just do life and do church. I, I'm really excited about it. And uh, the, the um, one thing, just a little commercial, is that um, the Alpha course that was advertised, that you saw early in the video, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity if you've got unchurched friends, friends that are interested, seekers, agnostics, atheists. It's a, it's a place where no question's too simple or too hostile. You can let heresy fly and you can just sit there and great things happen around a table because you discuss questions based on the talk. And it's really a safe, fun place to bring your friends. And so I would just highly recommend, I had the, I had the privilege of teaching Alpha for a couple of years. I know Nikki Gumbel really well. Um, it's an amazing, 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 amazing uh, opportunity to kind of engage and invite friends and uh, in a kind of low-key, uh, you know, safe environment, which uh, I think a lot of people are looking for. They can really ask questions and not be judged for their questions. It's kind of nice to have that, right? Cool. Okay, well, today uh, is How to Neighbor, and uh, there's a typical Pastor Robles family right there. Okay, that's so funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> And that subtitle is Loving Others for the Sake of Christ. And so I want to talk a little bit, what does that look like? How do we love others for the sake of Jesus? You know, when you think about it, really, I mean, that's the great, the great commandment is what? To love God with all you got, right? Minds, and what's the second one? It's to love your neighbor as yourself, right? You want to love your neighbor. So this is really important to God. And so it's really important, and it's important on the heart of Jesus. And we want to love us for, for Jesus' sake. Because we want to be able to share that love and, and to be able to demonstrate that love. And I, I have this great quote by St. Augustine I want to share with you. St. Augustine you know, lived in the third century is when the early church fathers. And this is what he says. He says, what does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and to the needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. And it has ears to hear the sighs and the sorrows of others. That is what love looks like. Is that good? See, folks, not only is that what, what love looks like, but guess what? That's what Jesus looks like. And, and we are called to be, to embody Jesus, right? We're to represent him. We, you know, he lives in us. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're a Christ follower, you take Jesus where you go. So we get to be his hands. We get to be his feet. We get to be his mouthpiece. We get to, you know, illustrate this life that we live by, by the way that we live that these things are real and genuine by the way that I live my life, by the way I demonstrate my faith. These things are so very important. And I just want to make a, 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 a comment right off the bat. And I think unless we, you and I understand the value of God's heart for others, of his heart for the poor, those are on the margins, you know, the single parent, the, maybe the immigrant, maybe the, the person that, that doesn't look like you, or maybe it's not the same color, whatever it may be. Unless we understand the value of that, God's heart for the poor and for the least, I believe that you and I will never make the changes in our, in our lifestyle 
or in our attitude necessary to really significantly impact your, your, your community here with the love of Jesus. See, we've got to be able to take our blinders off and we have to be able to see the gospel and it's all this naked, raw, kind of raw form that the beauty of Jesus and the simplicity, the things that he's called you and I to walk in and to emulate. You know, when John the Baptist um, gathered his disciples around him and he said, hey, why don't you go ask, would you do me a favor? Go ask Jesus, are you the expected one? You know, or should we expect something else? Do you remember that in the Bible? It's actually in Luke chapter seven. And I'm gonna read verses 20 through 22, or 21 through 22, kind of um, the response. So when John, uh, when, when the men came to Jesus, they said, uh, hey, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And it says, at that very moment, at the very time Jesus cured many who had diseases and sicknesses and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, here's Jesus' response to John the Baptist's disciples. You take this word back to John. He says this, go back and report to John what you both seen and heard. Okay, it's important, seeing and hearing. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. See, the proclamation of, of the gospel to the poor was one of the visible signs of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus came, he came to establish the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those are synonymous terms, right? So what Jesus isn't talking about just getting to heaven at some later time, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. And Jesus came, and in Jesus, the kingdom was fulfilled, but it's yet to be consummated. So we live now as a people in the presence of the future. You know, the kingdom has come, but it's yet to be, the, the kingdom will be consummated at the second coming. So now we live in between the times. No wonder Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done here where? In Paso Robles, here on earth, as it is in heaven. So the rule and reign of God, the presence of God, the kingdom of God, the we were to emulate, you know, in God's kingdom, guess what? There is no hatred. There is no poverty. There is no children dying for lack of clean, safe water. There is no, you know, homophobic uh, attitudes. There is no uh, arrogance. There is no prejudice. There is no fear. You know, and this is what we're, we're to go to make. We're to come and be a people that, that make wrong things right. We're to come and be a people that demonstrate this, the, this new reality, this new kingdom people. And we're a kind of people that, that, that's the kind of people that we are. And Jesus taught the message of the kingdom by both what he said and by what he did. Remember, Jesus was a word worker. He preached the words, and then he demonstrated his works. You see, when I think of the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, how I'm going to work it out in my life on a daily basis, I see the kingdom is illustrated by our lives. The way that we treat others, you know, do our lives line up with the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount? And, you know, are we living that kind of lifestyle? So it's illustrated by our lives. It's demonstrated by our works by what we do, you know, praying for the sick, but caring for the poor and, and taking, feeding the hungry, whatever it may be, being, you know, loving your neighbor, whatever that is, and that's proclaimed with our words. But oftentimes in the West, what we've done, we've been really good at proclamation, but not very good at demonstration and illustration. Do you agree with me? Okay, I like your enthusiasm. Okay, <laughs> it's true. And so the reality is the gospel is good news to the poor. And I'm going to say something, and you might not agree with it, but don't throw me out yet. I'll just say this. If it's not working to benefit the poor, the oppressed, 
the most vulnerable, those on the margins, then I would question whether it's really the gospel. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 9, 35. There's one of those summary statements about Jesus. And it says, Jesus was going about in all the towns and villages, teaching their synagogues, okay? Preaching what? The good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. So what's the good news of the kingdom? Oh, that one day you're going to get to heaven. Well, that, that is good news. No, the good news of the kingdom is simply this, that the king is here, that he's in our midst, that we have a God who cares, a God who's concerned, a God who's involved, a God who's engaged, a God who knows our pain, who knows our suffering, a God who's been tempted in all ways as we've been tempted, but without sin. You know, that we, we, you know we, the Bible talks about this, this word in the Greek, it's kenosis, it's the self-emptying of God. It's what, it's what Jesus did by taking on being fully God, but yet fully man, taking on flesh and blood, you know. He knows our pain, he knows our difficulties, he knows those things, and, and he's here. He's here to save us, he's here to rescue us. He's here just not to take us to heaven. He's here to bring heaven on earth. That's what the kingdom's all about. I think somebody's here, aren't they? Seda's here. Hi, Seda. Hey, Matt. They're back from England. You guys make sure to love on them when you see them. But the kingdom is here and the king is here. That's what we need to emulate, understand that he cares about the poor. He cares about the immigrant. He cares about the single mom. He cares about those that are most vulnerable, those that are living on the margins. God's heart breaks for the poor. And folks, you and I have been called as his covenant people to reflect that heart, to emulate that heart, to demonstrate the heart, to live out the heart. And you say, well, wait a minute, Bobby, who are the poor? You know, there's not very many, I don't know very many poor. Well, let me just share with you a story about, from Mother Teresa. This is a great book, uh, In the Heart of the World by Mother... By the way, do you guys know that today Mother Teresa is being canonized as a saint? I mean, today she's getting, the, she's getting the official hands-on from St. Francis, or Pope Francis, rather. Maybe St. Francis, too. But uh, Yeah, so she's actually becoming canonized. Today. But listen to what she says about poverty. She says, One day I visited a house where our sisters shelter the aged. This is one of the nicest houses in England with beautiful furniture and very precious things. Yet there was not a one smile on the faces of the people. All of them were looking towards the door. I asked the sisters in charge, why are they like that? Why can't we see smiles on their faces? The sisters answered, well, the same thing, mother, happens every day. They're always waiting for someone to come and to visit them. Loneliness eats them up. And day after day, they don't stop looking but yet no one comes. Listen to what she says. Abandonment is an awful poverty. Is that true? This is what she says. There are poor people everywhere, but the deepest poverty is not being loved. Is that powerful? She says the poor we seek may live near us or far away. They can be materially poor or spiritually poor. They may be hungry for bread or hungry for friendship. They may need clothing Or they may need the sense of wealth that comes from God's love. They may need the shelter of a house made with bricks and cement or the shelter of having a place in someone else's heart. And so Mother Teresa's talking about, says the poor are everywhere. But what we have to do is begin opening up our eyes and seeing. We have to take our blinders off and say, God, would you give me the eyes to see the way that you see? God, would you give me God, a heart that cares the way that you care? You see, we can go through life without even knowing with these, with these blinders on. We're all busy. We all have things to do. We're all kind of charging out the door, you know, but he wants us to open our eyes and look and see. Now, when we think about the mission of Jesus, 
you know, he's our model, so we want to live a life that reflects him and emulates him. Let's think about what Jesus' mission was. And Jesus' mission, his mission statement is very clear in Luke chapter 4 when he enters into the table, into the temple rather, and he, he picks up the scroll. And just that day, the scroll just so happened to be opened up to the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah chapter 61. And he said this in Luke chapter 4. As he picked up the scroll, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? To preach good news to the poor. What's this good news? He came, he sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus' mission was to proclaim and to demonstrate good news to the poor. Now, in the first century thinking, if you were rich or well off, there was a common belief. That means that was a sign of God's blessing. That means you had God's favor in your life. That means God really, you're one of his favorite. That means that you're special to God. But if you're poor, if you are sick, if you had a disability, or if you had a certain disease, what that meant is that you're out of favor with God, that there must be sin in your life, that you're under judgment, or possibly you're being punished by God. And so what Jesus does is Jesus come on the scene and says, hey, well, guess what? No way. That's not the way it is. Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, what? that the Father loves them, that he's for them. That these people, these people that he would come in contact with, uh, they're of every person of, of immeasurable value to God. You see, we believe as followers of Jesus that every human being has immeasurable value and worth. I mean, that's what the Bible tells us, that every person has been created in the image and likeness of God. And if each and every individual, no matter what their skin or what their nationality or, or what their sexual orientation or what their political affiliation, whatever it might be, they all have inherent worth and value and they're all worthy of God's love and they're worthy of our love. And that's the good news of the kingdom. So he, he, demonst- he preached the good news of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated the good ki- news of the kingdom. How? By healing them, by loving them, by accepting them, by forgiving them, by, you know, by casting out their demons. It was kind of a show and tell thing, right? Jesus came and talked about the kingdom, and then he demonstrated it. The reality. See, every time a blind eye was open, every time a lame person walked, what was Jesus demonstrating? See, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no blindness. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no disability. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no sense of brokenness. Do you see that? It's restoring life. It's giving people life and hope in this age that we might turn this thing around. And for you and I, our, our mandate and our mission's clear. You see, our mission is his mission, rather. Let me say another way. Jesus' mission is our mission. His message is our message. Jesus is our model. He's the only hero in this game. He's the only one we're to emulate. The way that he lived, we're to live. The way that he loved, we're to love. The way that he cared, we're to care. I hate having all the lights out. I can't see everybody. That's it. We're to reflect him. We're to be like him. No wonder Paul said, you know, to be, we're to be imitators of God. How? As much loved children. And we're to live a life of love, even as he loved us and accepted us. You see, this is the life we've been called to live. We're to imitate him. We're to be like Jesus. And you say, Bobby, I can never be like him. Well, the journey is the destination, gang. None of us have arrived. None of us have have it together, myself included for sure. But I'm on this journey. I want to be like him. I want to be changed from the inside out. I want to reflect him to my children. I want to reflect him to my neighbors. I want to reflect him to my community. I want people in, in, in Cayucas to see there's a God in heaven who cares, who knows, who's involved, who loves, who's genuine, who's real, who's touchable. 
And see, that's what we do. And when we turn, we'll think about loving our neighbor, how do we neighbor, how do we love others, for the, how do we love for the sake of Christ? That's how we do it. We surrender our lives to him so he might change us from the inside out. He must make us more and more like him. Well, if Jesus is our model, then we have to ask this question, okay, well, how did Jesus really live? Well, I want to give you just a couple of points how Jesus really lived. First of all, remember this. This is very important, that Jesus identified with the poor. Even at his Jesus' birth, you know, Jesus was born as a refugee, as an immigrant baby, under Roman occupation. And I think that even his entry into the world, Jesus' entry into the world is one of the most profound revelations of what his message to mankind really is. Because who would look to a stable to go find God, right? Some smelly old first century stable. No way to go find God. Remember this, Jesus was and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he was neither born nor did he live like a king in this life. He gave himself up for the sake of others. And I think the message of his birth really issues not only a major challenge to our culture, but I'll tell you what, it, it, more, it issues a major challenge to the church. Are we reflecting him? Do we look like him? Do we care like him? Are we moving in that direction? You're going to say, Bobby, I can never be. Hey, we're all in this thing together. That's why we need to encourage one another. We need to pray for another. We need to, you know, just, to, you know, just kind of say, come on, we can do this thing together. Thank you. So Jesus identified with the poor. Jesus came for the poor. You know what Jesus did? Jesus hung out with the poor. If you would have hung out with Jesus and his men, you know, and some of the gals that hung around, you would have probably smelled fish, you know? I mean, they're, just, they're like average people just kind of hanging out. But, you know, Jesus was touchable. Jesus was real. Jesus was out among the people. Just didn't, Jesus didn't, you know, live in an, and, and work in an ivory tower and say, you know, Peter, Paul, take a message. Tell him I'll be back, you know, next Monday. He didn't do that. He was out amongst the people. He put kids on his lap, right? He was touchable. He was engaging. He was in the community. He was surrounded by people all the time. And Jesus had one of the greatest names. I don't know if this was meant to be a, like a mocking thing on Jesus, but I think what an incredible compliment. Jesus, one of his names were a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. I mean, swear to God, I, mean, I want that over my, on my gravestone if I have a gravestone. Wouldn't that be great, you know? I mean, just think of church at Highlands, friend of, you know, ranchers and rednecks. I don't know, or something. Oh, sorry. <gasps> bad Bobby, bad Bobby. Just tease. I want to see if you're paying, paying attention. Okay. But friends of, you know, a you know, friend of the friendless, friend of the neighbor, you know, whoever it may be. So Jesus hung out with the poor. Jesus identified with the poor. And not only that, Jesus ministered with the poor. The word minister just simply means to serve. He didn't just serve them. He served with them. He brought them along too. Remember, Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, folks, he became like us so that you and I may become like him. That's the highest goal in our life. That's the highest attainment is to be more like Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. And the essence of servanthood is to live out our lives for the sake of others. See, folks, the God has called the church today to live and to die for bigger things. I'll say it again. The church, God has called the church today to live and to die for bigger things. You know, oftentimes um, around Easter time, in my neighborhood, a lot of people put up these big posters that 
have, uh, hey, come to church on Easter, and they're really cool posters, and they quote 1 Chronicles 16, 9. You guys know what that verse is? You know, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and da, 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 da. And I always go, and they always, you know, I was thinking, why are we trying to get the community to repent? If just the church would change, we, wouldn't, we couldn't hold buildings big enough for people to come. So the essence of servant is to live out your life for the sake of others. That's the kind of life Jesus led, and that's the kind of life you and I have been called to. You know, John Wimber, who was the founding, founder of our, our movement, The Vineyard, when I was, I remember hearing him years ago, and he said this about the church. He said, the church is not an organization, but a company of people who lay down their lives for the sake of others. Is that hot? Is that something you want to be involved in? Is that just kind of filing out, filing in, being religious? You know, they, no, man. Hey, we, 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 got, we, we have this thing that's something, it's called the kingdom that we get to live in and for. And we serve a king who's benevolent and, and loving and gracious and kind, slow to anger and rich in love. I mean, that's good news. The world's dying for some good news. And we're containers of this good news. So Jesus came for the poor. He identified the poor. He hung out with the poor. He ministered with the poor. And I'll tell you something that's mind-blowing too. Think about this. Jesus himself was poor. Show me that in the Bible, Bobby. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. <laughs> Second Corinthians 8 9. Listen to this text. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who although he was rich... Yet for our sake, he became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. See, the ultimate act of solidarity on behalf of God is that he identified with the poor, the weak, the outcast, the most vulnerable, the broken. Jesus became poor for our sake. Why? So that now you and I can experience the riches of his love, the riches of his kindness, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his forgiveness, the riches of his goodness in our lives. And folks, once we experience those, we don't just kind of keep it for ourselves. No, now it's our turn to model that. You model his love, his generosity, his kindness for the sake of others. And that's how you neighbor. You see, this is what Jesus said, really simple. He said, think of it this way. Freely you've received, freely give. God's given us his love. What do we give away? His love. God's given us his kindness. What do we give away? His kindness. You know, that's how it works. We don't give away judgment or, or prayer, you know, all those things. No, we give away the grace that God's poured into our lives. So how important do you think are the poor to Jesus? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, you know, you guys probably fairly, if you're familiar with your Bible law, you know this particular picture Jesus gives us of, of the judgment. He talks about the parable of the sheep and the goats. And he says, you know, that uh, he gives on, he talks about those that are, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you visited me. And, and the disciples go, Lord, dang, when, when do we see you hungry and give you something to eat? Or when did we, you know, on and on and on. And Jesus says something very powerful. You know, he says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brother, you did it to me. So how important are the poor to Jesus? Folks, they're of utmost importance. Jesus' mission was to proclaim and to demonstrate good news to the poor. And every time we look into the eyes of someone who's poor, a single mom, our neighbor, 
some kids on our little league team, the people that we work with, the people we play basketball with during the week, the people that we ride horses with, whatever. You know what? We look into the eyes of Jesus. It's him that we're serving. It's him that we're loving. It's him that we're giving to. When we do it to the least of these, we're doing it, folks, unto him. I've got two great stories to share about men who experienced that. One was St. Francis and his conversion story. And if you know anything about Francis of Assisi, he was wealthy and high-born, high-spirited type guy. He came from an upper-middle-class family, but he wasn't happy. He felt like life was incomplete. Then one day he was out riding his horse in Assisi, and he met a leper that was loathsome and um, repulsive in his ugliness. Something moved Francis to get down from his horse and fling his arms around the, the wretched sufferer, as the story goes. And in his arms, the leper turned into the, his face, turned into the face of Jesus. And that's what led to Francis' conversion. Powerful image. The other was a, uh, an early martyr. His name was Martin of Tours. Listen to Martin's story. He was a Roman soldier, and he was a follower of Jesus. It was a cold winter day, and he was entering a city. A beggar stopped him and asked for alms. Martin had no money, but the beggar was blue and shivering with cold, and Martin gave what he had. So he took off his soldier's coat, worn and frayed as it was, and he cut it in two and gave half of it to the beggar. That night he had a dream. In it, he saw the heavenly places and all the angels and Jesus in the midst of them. And Jesus was wearing half of a Roman soldier's cloak. One of the angels said to him, Master, why are you wearing that battered old cloak? Who gave it to you? And Jesus said, My friend Martin gave it to me. You get it? You don't get it. <laughs> what did we do to the least of these? We do unto him. How important are the poor to Jesus? The marginalized, the vulnerable the single parents, those, on the, those that we know at work, how important are they? They're of utmost importance. Why? Because the Father loves them and cares for them so. So where do we go from here? What, what kind of response do, you, do we need to make from a message like today? Well, first of all, what we need to do is we need to pray. And pray and ask the Father, you know, give us eyes to see. You know, Jesus, as you read the gospel, says Jesus seeing the multitudes had compassion on them. You know, one time I read that verse, and I've been reading it for, I may have read it a hundred times. All of a sudden, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus saw differently than other people saw. He saw people through the eyes of the Father, through the love of the Father, and he was going to soon go to the cross for them. He saw them with those kind of eyes, and so we, got, we need to pray, Jesus, would you give me eyes of compassion? Would you help me to see the way that you see, God? Would you help me to feel the way that you feel, God? Would you help me take my blinders off, God? Would you give me a paradigm shift and help me to see people with the same love and affection that you see them with? That's the first thing we need to do. The second thing we need to do is repent. Now, the word repent has some bad connotations. And actually, the word metanoia is a really cool word. It means to change the way you perceive. It means to change the way you think. It means literally to change the way you see instead of going one way to go another way. So we need to see differently. We need to think differently. We need to feel differently. And that's what repentance is all about. It's a change in our life. Once we come to Christ, we, all of a sudden we've got a whole new worldview, don't we? It's a, it's a kingdom worldview. It's not about, it's not, you know, the, the center of the universe isn't me anymore. 
Jesus is, and I'm subservient to him and to his purpose in my life. So we need to repent. And third thing we need to be ask, and just simply ask, Lord, what needs to be done? Where can I help out? Lord, would you bring somebody into my life today that I can be nice to and smile at? There's a good start. You know, oftentimes we're, we've been really, really good as Christians to, to proclaim the gospel, but haven't very good to really live it out and to demonstrate it. But I believe that God is calling the church today to live this thing out in such a way that our neighbors would know that there's something significantly different about us, not because we wear a bumper sticker, have a bumper sticker, wear a Christian t-shirt, but it's the way we're kind. It's the way we neighbor. It's the way we invite people in. It's the way that we smile at people, the way we open up the door for people, the way that we're just nice. Hey, we can all be nice, right? Everybody go like this. Yes, Bobby, we can all be nice. Good. And remember, we can't do everything, but doing nothing is no longer an option. You know why? Now you know. You know, Mother Teresa has a great quote, and I, we're celebrating her today, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, share one of our most favorite quotes. She said, you know, there's many, many people in the world today that want to do big things for God, but there's very, very, very few people in the world who want to do small things for God. She said, therefore, small things done with great love can change the world. What if each and every, you say, well, Bobby, I don't have a whole lot to give away, a whole lot of love to give away. Well, whatever you got, just give it. And that's how God multiplies it back to you. You got a little kindness, give it away. You got a little love, give it away. That's how God gives it back. And, and then he gives you more. And he blesses you. You give to get to give, and God blesses you some more. If your joy bucket is a little empty right now, you know that way to have true joy? Live for the sake of others. Love, lay your life down for someone else. Care enough to smile and engage with someone. That'll make a radical difference in someone else's life, and you'll never know the effect and the change you'll have in someone else's life. That's how you neighbor. That's how you love the poor. That's how you empower the poor. Because the poor may be 8,000 miles away, or the poor might be right across the street or across the desk, or in the same little league field, or where you have coffee, or you buy your groceries. Did you hear Katie's story about that lady? I love that story. Isn't that great? What did Katie give that, that sweet lady? She gave him, first of all, a gift of listening without judging her. She sat and gave her the gift. You know what a precious gift it is to give someone the gift of listening without forming a judgment in your head and throwing back a scripture verse at them or trying to change them, just listening? I mean, that's precious. And when she comes back, two years later, she goes, thank you. You know, you've changed my life. You've touched me. You've, you've, you've made things, things are better because of you. See, folks, our job is to love. God's job is to change people. We don't need the Holy, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to be ambassadors of love. And one thing the Lord is continually teaching me and, and, and actually pressing me on consistently is, Bobby, I want you to die to your need to be right all the time and learn to love without an agenda. I tell you, I have an agenda sometimes. I don't even realize it. But I want to love extravagantly. I want to love generously. You know why? Because that's what Jesus does and did and continues to do in and through his church. So would to God we be those ambassadors of his love, huh? Each and every one of us. All right, bless you guys. Thanks. So, Lord, we do, even as we sang that song, Holy Spirit, you're our welcome here. Spirit of God, we do, we welcome your presence. 
We pray, God, you would come and change us from the inside. Lord, you'd make us more like you today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that even this week, Lord, you bring people into our lives, God, that we can love, people into our lives that we can listen to. God, that we might see others the way that you see them, as precious and valuable in your sight. Lord, would you open up our eyes and open up our hearts to the needs of others? Would you cause us, Lord, to be a people of compassion, a people of mercy, God, a people of great love? I pray, Lord, that the people of Paso Robles and North County will know there's a God in heaven. His name is Jesus because he sees them reflected in these people and our lives, God. God, we pray that your name would be made great, God, through our love and that you'd receive all the glory for it, God.